You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is time for Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast where we talk nothing but Las Vegas Raiders football. Thanks for being back with us. Hope your offseason is off to an okay start. We got lots to talk about here on the show. Do us a favor. If you don't already subscribe to the show, please do. Uh, Anywhere you get your audio podcast, just look for Silver and Black today. Turn on the auto download. So every time we put out a show, yes, during the season, or excuse me, during the offseason, The frequency goes down just a little bit, but we're always here. Any news breaks, we're going to be on. And, of course, we're always here with you two times a week during the offseason to keep you up on the latest of what's happening in Raider Nation and the NFL. And to do that, I can't do it by myself. I just can't. I can't. So I have to have my trusty partner in this end of our, and that is, of course, Mr. Mo Moten. He is a national NFL writer at Bleacher Report. He is also the Raiders columnist on sportsnot.com. Mo, you were busy this past weekend, man. Let me tell you, the playoff games, for the most part, uh, surprised. You know, we talked about it on last week's Thursday show or Friday mailbag show. We talked about I thought Bills would roll. In fact, I, I had them on like two or three different parlays, so I lost money on them. Everybody thought so. Bills go up there. Skylar Thompson has a game. The Bills are kind of iffy, iffy. Uh, and uh, it was a surprising weekend. The Giants, though, was the one game that I called that I really thought the Giants might go in there and beat Minnesota, but an exciting weekend to start off the NFL playoffs, despite the fact there's no silver and black involved. No silver and black involved, but I'm sure Raider fans were happy to see the Chargers choke once again. (laughs) I mean, how do you go? I mean, it felt like a Raider game. You go up 27-0 on the Jags, who who the Raiders had a big lead on, and and then the Chargers, you chuck it away, and again, the inexplicable coaching. I oh. tweeted this out. I said, players win games, but when you have the right coaching, your players win more games. Correct. And that charges coaching staff for them not to run the ball. They went they went full Josh McDaniels in September. Didn't run the ball enough. Didn't run the clock. And the Jaguars did a climb back in that game and win it. Well, the interesting thing there, too, is <clears throat> I did, and I sent you, I sent you and Evan this as I did it, because as you know, and, and some of the folks out there still don't like it, but I grew up a Charger fan, right? That was until 2014 I was done with them. And anyway, I've seen this my whole life. So I, I, like, I had a feeling. <laughs> so I, we, can now, we can now do sports betting on our phone here in Ohio. I used to do it in Vegas when I was there, obviously. But now in Ohio, so I'm like, I look at the line at halftime with that big lead, and it says plus 1,400. Jaguars plus fourteen hundred, and I turn to my wife and I say, "I gotta put five dollars on this." They, 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 they choke. This is what this franchise does. So sure enough, I put five dollars, just five dollars down. I know big better. Five dollars. <laughs> I win seventy five bucks though, Mo. I mean, it was. I was so sure that they were going to give it back because of the coaching. But I will say this too, and I don't think a lot of people are talking about this. 
uh, since since uh, since yesterday on Monday, and everybody started recapping the games. The Chargers, you're right about the run, but they don't have a power running game, right? Austin Eckler's a great back, but he's not a power runner. They don't have a power running back. So when you get that big lead, what do you got to do? You got to pound the ball, pound the ball, and they just don't have it. Josh Jacobs can be a power runner, right? And, of course, you have Jakob Johnson, too, there, so you can kind of do the one-two punch. And with the Chargers, again, because the the organization is such crap and you have, um, uh, whatchamacallit, nepotism in the front office, they don't have the right coach, they don't have the right players, they have all those pieces around them, but it just goes to show you that the Raiders aren't the only dysfunctional organization out there when it comes to uh, coaching and decision-making. The thing is, the Chargers, I think, tried to get a power running back. They did draft yeah. Isaiah Spiller, I believe, in the fourth round. They, right. they also used Joshua Kelly uh, as a back that can run in between the tackles, but not effective. I believe Josh Kelly had seven carries for 20 yards. So you're right. They don't have that power running back for them to to milk the clock. But to me, I would just say, just get just you don't even have to get four or five yards. Just hand the ball off so that the clock runs. When you yeah. start, when you continue to throw the ball and you're not completing passes, you stop the clock and you give that team a chance to get back in it. And that's what happened. Yes. And of course, AFC West foes are always going to get the ire of Raider Nation, especially when Raider Nation's not in the playoffs. They're going to do that. But speaking of that, we talked about the Buffalo Bills. Miami Dolphins gave them all they could handle and more in that game. Of course, if the Dolphins could have passed the ball and had a better offensive and more effectiveness, they might have beat the Bills up there. Secondarily, Cincinnati down here where I'm at, Cincinnati played a very good defense in Baltimore, but Cincinnati's offense just looked out of sync all night. You had Jamar Chase dropping some balls here and there. Uh, it just couldn't get it going. So now you have Cincinnati going up to Buffalo, and I don't know. I mean, look, you favor Buffalo because they're at home. Of course, it's hard to play up there. But right now, I know, I know Raider fans are going to hate to hear this, Mo, but right now I don't think either of those teams, how they're playing right now, beat the Chiefs. No, but I will. There's one caveat. The, the issue with the Bills, and I've had this issue not to be a self-promoter, but I did a Bleacher Report live show, and I said my issue with the Bills was Josh Allen is too sloppy. Since Brian, since Brian Dable has went to New York and helped Daniel Jones, you're starting to see Josh Allen fall back into the, his old habits in his first two years with the Buffalo Bills, mm. where he was turning the ball over way too much, and he's doing that now. And this is why I don't trust the Bills. I get the great stories there with DeMar Hamlin and that team playing with emotion. But I don't trust Josh Allen. I trust Joe Burrow more than I do Josh Allen. Now, the problem with Cincinnati is their offensive line is banged up. They lost another offensive lineman in Jonah Williams on Sunday night. So are they going to be able to hold up if the Bills were to blitz them? Can Joe Burrow have enough time to get the ball downfield to Jamar Chase? That's the big question. Yeah, and not only that, but the the Bengals' defense. I mean, you still have Eli Apple out there starting. That tells you where they're at. So they need need to improve. But we'll see. The the point you made on – um, uh, Josh Allen, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to cough here in a second. Excuse me. Here they go. All right. Um, the point you made on Josh Allen is a good one because Josh Allen, and I, I said this too, I think last season about Patrick Mahomes, although Patrick Mahomes done a lot more than Josh Allen, but with Josh Allen, I, I don't call Josh Allen a great quarterback yet. Cause I don't think he is. I think he is a great talent. And you've seen him regress a little bit versus last year. And so if I'm the Bills and I'm watching that, no matter how this postseason pans out for them, they got to go find they got to find their quarterback whisperer for next year because they got to get him back. They've invested too much money and that team is in the window that they're going to have three to five years and that's it. They have got to find somebody to help him get back to where he was last year with Dable. And, and to relate this to the Raiders, this is why it's important to have that quarterback head coaching tandem pair mm-hmm. that 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 mix and match together because if you don't if it if it's like what you see with the Chargers because a lot of let's be honest a lot of people feel like the Chargers and Josh and Justin Herbert could do a lot better if they had a better head coach. Yep. You you just mentioned it with Josh Allen and I said it since Dayball has left Buffalo Josh Allen is not the same quarterback still he he'll still give you the wild plays as you said great talent big arm can run can knock over defenders for a first down he does all of that stuff but. When it comes to refinement, he's lost that this year. So with the Raiders, whoever their quarterback is going to be, it has to be someone who matches with Josh McDaniel's system because apparently Josh McDaniels felt like their car wasn't a good fit. Yeah, that's uh, that's clear. And Mo, uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump in now. We want to use this show to to do something because over the next several weeks, right from from now, we're mid January. 
So we got basically three months until the NFL draft, right? Am I right about that? Yeah, three months till April. Mm-hmm. Um, in the meantime, there's going to be moves made. We have the Derek Carr thing coming up here, whatever they do with him. My guess is Derek Carr gets cut. He walks away. I don't think he's going to help the Raiders out. But I will say this. One of the important things here, and I think something that people get confused on, even I do, sometimes is the salary cap, right? So where are the Raiders? You hear, oh, Raiders have a big salary cap number, or this team doesn't have a salary cap number. Well, you and I mention it all the time on here, dead cap money, all that stuff. So what we decided with this kind of first true first offseason show, if you will, uh, heading into and still going through the NFL playoffs before uh, we start to see some moves from the Raiders is to kind of go over that a little bit to give you a little bit of salary cap one-on-one, and then let's get to the point where the Raiders are so we can understand what they need to do, what they can do, what they're hampered by, what advantages they have, and go from there, okay? So we're going to start with this, and Mo, I know you've covered a lot too, so you can pepper in what I don't cover, but I think one of the things that, too, people understand is, okay, well, why do you have a salary cap, and where does it come from? And really, if you think about it, if any of you work for a company that has profit sharing, that's exactly what it is, is the NFL takes the percentage of revenues determined by the NFL uh, collective bargaining agreement. So this is the deal between the players and the league, okay? And uh, that includes the media revenue, so all the money that these big networks pay, the NFL ventures, so anything the NFL is selling, uh, as well as postseason revenues, local revenues from the teams themselves uh, are in there. They take that, they divide it by 32, okay? The players get 48% of that cut, all right? So that's the profit-sharing piece of it. So if you look at the salary cap that way, that why are they doing what they're doing, right? And and part of this too, Mo, is, and we'll get to this in a second, is the salary cap is not only meant to keep the league, and it's succeeded, I mean, it's succeeded beyond wild expectations. Because if you look at the NFL compared to almost every other league, it's the only league where you have teams like the Jacksonville Jaguars who could finish in last place two consecutive years and not win more than four games and suddenly find themselves in the divisional playoffs uh, within two years after that, right? The next year, actually. That's what it does. It gives competitive parity, if you will. We always hear the word parity with the NFL, Mo. Um, But part of this also is to make sure, and the way this works, and I think people forget about this, and I want to get your comments. Part of the salary cap's function, yes, is to keep it competitive, but it's also to force owners to spend a specific amount of money on their payroll. So you can't be like like one of these baseball teams, like the Cincinnati Reds or the Pittsburgh Pirates, right, who spend zero money on their payroll because they're just trying to make money at the gate or whatever they're doing, or they're just trying not to lose money. So so, so those, those tightwad owners. In the NFL, Mo, the salary cap partly is that because you have to spend 80, you have to go up to 89% of the cap Or if you don't do that for two consecutive years, you then have to pay money back to the players. Right. And I believe the Dallas Cowboys were in a situation where you hear you have to spend a certain amount to reach a cap floor. We're used to hearing hearing about teams that are over the cap and have to get under the cap so they have to restructure (laughs) and let players go or what have you. But you're right. There's also a floor that you have to spend a certain amount going into the new league year. Or as you said, there's a penalty we have to pay money back. So just keep an eye out for that. That's not the Raiders issue, of course, because – uh, they they they've been spending money. They've been spending money in the wrong places. We'll get to that soon. Yeah. But ac- again, you're you're right. There is a cap. There's a cap floor and there's a cap ceiling. Right. So so the way that works, that's the minimum salary basically. So the teams, as I said, they have to spend 89 percent of the cap over four years. Okay. And if they don't do it over four years, then they have to give the difference to the players. So there's a penalty. So so that I mean that means obviously owner you have to spend it. If you don't, you're losing. It's it's user to lose it basically. Now um, one of the things that we talked about last year, Mo, when we had all these Raiders signings, we had the Derek Carr signing, we had uh, Waller, we had Renfro, we had Max Crosby, the four of those guys, was this idea about signing bonuses, right? So a lot of people I think they misunderstand because the signing bonus, while it's not necessarily their salary, a lot of people look at that I think incorrectly. Just because people don't look into it, they look at the salary number as the cap number. But signing bonuses, which is obviously a lot of cash up front, the the team, though, takes that signing bonus. So let's say you sign, I don't know, let's put a name out there, Tom Brady, and you give him a $25 million signing bonus. That $25 million signing bonus over, let's say it's a four-year contract. 
that signing bonus is counted against your cap for four years. So they spread it out over the length of the term of the contract. So that's where you get a lot of flexibility. The player gets the guaranteed money up front, but for the club, they don't have to count it up against one year. For example, that first year, it's not a $25 million hit. They can stretch it out, which we saw next segment. We're going to go into specific Raider players, and we'll go over some of that as well. But, Mo, I think that's one of the most un- misunderstood parts of the salary cap is, well, if we gave them a bonus, and why is it counting dead cap money and so on? And that's the reason is they, they spread it out over the, the, the course of the contract. So the longer the contract, the less hit it has on the dead cap money each year. And you bring that up with Tom Brady, and I and I actually mentioned this in a previous show. Tom mm-hmm. Brady's cap hit this year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers was, I believe, eleven point eight or eleven point nine million. Right. It's for that reason, is because they're not using all their cap just to pay him. As, as you said, they're spreading it out so that there is dead cap money on the back end, but you get the flexibility of being able to spend on other areas of need, and you're not spending all on your quarterback. Right. And and I mean, that that's just an example. Just for, for sake of argument, if Tom Brady wanted $20 million to play for the Raiders for on a one-year deal or, or, or a three-year deal or four, let's just say it's a four-year deal, even though the, the length of terms for these deals only matter for the cap hit. They don't actually matter for uh, the actual contract. I mean, I know it sounds crazy, but, but let's just say they gave him $20 million. Like, hey, $20 million come play for us. They're thinking it's a year or two. Um, that's going to be basically a four-year contract at $5 million per year, and that's where it's going to hit you. So Tom Brady would get $20 million up front, but he's only going to count against the cap for $5 million per year. Now, it could be right. two years after he's gone, too, if uh, if he doesn't play out that contract, which obviously he's going to be, what, he'd be 55 years old, or no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> 52. So so that's how that signing bonus piece works, and I, and I thought that was important to bring up. The other thing, Mo, is one of the things we get into and people talk about, and I get a lot of people who tweet at me and ask me about, like, how does that work, is the dead money, right? So if you look at the dead money, the dead money particularly is what players want. They want it's fully guaranteed money to a player, even if they are traded or cut. So in the NFL, and I know you, you see guys in the NBA always spouting off uh, when DeMar Hamlin got hurt, I think it was, um, I think it was Kobe, not Kobe. Uh, what am I saying? Kobe. Um, God, God bless Kobe. Um, uh, LeBron James saying, see, this is why these guys need guaranteed contracts. So there's not guaranteed contracts in the NFL like there is in the NBA. So what happens is uh, the only way you're going to hedge yourself as an NFL player and make sure that you don't get cut or traded without a no trade clause really is to get that that big, that dead money hit, to get that money guaranteed fully, just like uh, you saw Deshaun Watson in Cleveland do inexplicably. Um, Because then if they're traded or released, the money goes against the cap anyway. So the team, and there's a good example of this on the Raiders, which of course is Chandler Jones, which we'll talk about next segment. But it's a good example of, hey, a guy doesn't work out, but next year he's 15 million or 13 million against your cap. You're not going to cut him. Because you're paying them all that money, you might as well put them out there, and at the very least, you get somebody, you get some hours on it. But, but I think that dead cap um, confuses people because they see a big dead cap number and they don't understand it, and they don't understand why, for example, Aaron Rodgers would be hard to trade. Because even if Aaron Rodgers is traded or cut, they still have to that that dead cap number still counts against the team. The Raiders have. I won't say several, but they have a handful of examples right now. Yeah. Players that are being carried over in their dead cap. Corey Littleton, I believe, is going to be owed $10 million still. They actually designated him as a post-June 1 cut. So what that means is they mm-hmm. save some cap up front, but they also push some money back into the later years, 2023 being one of those years where they're still yeah. going to have to owe him some money. I believe Carl Nassib is another one, about $5 million. Kenyon Drake, another one, about $4.4 million. So there are guys that the Raiders have cut that they guarantee money to that they're still going to have to pay in 2023 because they push some of that money into the, again, the later years. Yeah, no, exactly. And by the way, they can, the, the only flexibility you have with dead cap money, just, just, I think it's key to mention this one is let's say you cut somebody, you owe them dead cap money. Um, you can spread that out over two years to your point you just made, uh, right about NASA, right? So they're doing that as well. If you look at the Raiders and we're going to get specifically, but yes, you also, like, for example, next year, 2023, you still owe nine, almost $10 million to Corey Littleton. Corey Littleton. Mm-hmm. So there's a good one as well. Alex Leatherwood's going to get $4 million. Uh, Tyree Gillespie, 
$250,000, John Simpson, $200,000. So, so yes, yeah, so there it is. But that's the dead cap situation. You can spread it out like they did with Littleton, Nassib, and Drake over two years so it doesn't hit your cap all at once. That's the only flexibility the NFL gives you. So that's why the NFL and teams are so, and the Raiders need to be so careful in how much they guarantee the money. That's what played significantly into the Derek Carr decision, which we'll talk about as well. All right, Mo, we're up against our first break. When we come back, we're going to talk specifically, now that we've given you a little bit of salary cap 101, we're going to talk specifically about the Raiders and how that impacts them. We're going to go through the formula, and then we're going to go through specific players and how that works. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast with Mo and Scott. We'll be back right after these words. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. It is Silver and Black today here on this Tuesday. We hope you're having a good week. Your first or second week without Raiders football. But hey, you know what? It's right around the corner. Yes, that's seven, eight months. Man, eight months, Mo, till we get to watch professional football as far as the Raiders are concerned. Again, it it always, the NFL season, it's the shortest season. And you know why, obviously, the physicality of the sport and the brutality of the sport. But man, it's hard because you get done with football season and college season, and it just seems like it takes forever. You mean you don't want to watch uh, reruns of the 2022 season when the Raiders <laughs> blew all those leads? I mean, that's oh. not interesting to the fans out there. Oh, not my interested? Gosh. That's Maybe torture. Too soon. too soon, too soon. That's against the Geneva Convention, man. That's like, you know, that's like prisoners of war. You can't do that. Uh, but, hey, do us a favor. If you don't already subscribe to the show, please do it wherever you get your podcast. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, hey, how you doing? Make sure you uh, hit the like button there. Also, smash that subscribe button and the notifications bell as well. Okay, Mo, let's get some more into this state of the Raiders cap is too. I want to I want to also go back to a little bit of what we were talking about last segment. I'll pop, I'll pop it up here on the screen for those that are watching. So the salary cap overall, how it's calculated. If you're watching, you see a lot of words on the screen. I'm going to read these for our audio listeners and we'll talk them through. But the team salary how it's calculated. You have base salary cap plus you have carryover, which we'll talk about here in a second. And plus or minus adjustments to the cap, right? And then the cap space is calculated, excuse me, calculated with the cap minus the active cap spending minus dead money. Okay. So now the estimated base salary cap mo for 2023 is about 220 million. It was 208 last year. It goes up every year. It went down significantly during COVID, obviously, because revenues were down. This is this is how it rises and lowers depending on revenue. And the carryover, this is where we specifically start talking about the Raiders. The carryover for the, the salary cap each year is how much the team saved in the previous year. So if you didn't spend money or you got a player that was hurt and you somehow recoup money back, that happens. But the league has to, the team has to notify the league within a couple of weeks of the start of the season uh, how much of this money it wants to transfer to the coming year. So you can, you can basically carry over money. It's sort of like, and Mo, I don't know if you've had this um, uh, with your, with your employment at uh, bleacher report. Uh, but you have like an HSA health spending account and some, some of those you have to like spend by the end of the year or some of them you can carry over, right? Well, this carryover for the Raiders, if you look at it again, um, and what they're able to do, what we know now, there's a report just this week that says the Raiders carryover for 2023 is going to be $6.7 million. So they're going to bring forward from 2022, uh, almost $7 million. Currently the Raiders cap space, this is without the Derek Carr move yet, because it's not official 
is 20 million, right? 20 point, yeah, exactly about 20 million. You add this, or 21 million, you add the 6.6.7 million and you're at 27.7 million, okay? You with me now, Mo? Almost, just almost mm-hmm. 28 million? Then, this is where the Derek Carr thing comes in. So you 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 save, if you let Derek Carr go or you trade him, it doesn't matter. Um, if you let him go and he's off the books, you're saving $29.2 million with Derek Carr next year because you got to pay the $5 million uh, anyway. That's going to be dead cap hit. So that leaves the Raiders right now, as we know it, and this is an estimate, but it's going to be pretty close, at just under $57 million in cap space, Mo. Uh, that is not a small amount, okay? And that is before maybe some other moves where they could probably recognize upwards of $10 million more million too. So they're going to be at about $58 million, uh, as we mentioned. And and this is where that Derek Carr <laughs> decision came so. Because if you if they were convinced Derek Carr is the guy, hey, we're going to win a Super Bowl with this guy. There's no question about it. Then we're not having this conversation and they deal with the $20 million salary cap they have. But now you double, more than double, your salary cap by just letting one player go. Right. And there's there was a point that my guy pod wasted me that was very interesting uh-huh. and, and 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 it stuck to me he said the raiders wouldn't have put a trap door in car's contract if they didn't intend to use it if necessary right so so remember there was a there we talked about this i think danny heifetz was on from the ringer yes and people would kind of scoff at him for saying well there is an out in the contract where the Raiders can get out of this and a lot of people was like ah oh, they're not going to get rid of car and i was i was of the belief that josh mcdaniels and car that was his guy because again mm-hmm. that that's what he said coming in the door. But as my buddy Potter Wasted said, you don't put that in there if there's not a possibility that you can <laughs> exercise the clause. And yeah. here we are today. So as you said, they got themselves out of the deal because now they feel like Derek Carr is not the guy for Josh McDaniel's system. They're going to look for other options. But again, as you as you alluded to, $40.4 million if Derek Carr had remained on the roster past February 15th. Right. That's that part of that is his base salary for 2023 and 7.5 million for 2024. So obviously they they were like we're not we're not going to marry ourselves to that. We're going to move on. So that's why you don't have Derek Carr on the field where he can get hurt and that money becomes guaranteed. Yeah. And I mean again, it's 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 29 million dollars uh of dead cap. So right. you have a team that needs to remake its defense. It has to improve its offensive line. Doesn't give you, I mean, twenty million dollars. Doesn't, and so, so I think that they knew that. And you're right. I think that that a lot of criticism towards the coaching, well deserved. Some criticism from us too on some of the moves that Dave Ziegler made, which now much more appeared to be, hey, let's just steady state until I can free up some money. And and now they free up that money, and to be at that situation, to to where you have uh, fifty eight, fifty nine million dollars, and and we'll we'll go into the next segment into the individual players. But Mo, that's that's why you do those contracts. And listen, you have to. And, and Raider fans, I know it's hard, even if you're a big Derek Carr fan. You should be thankful that you have a new GM that structured the con and the Raiders structured the contract there. Because you look around the league, Mo, there's examples of contracts, including even the Aaron Rodgers contract. I know, I know, he's a great quarterback and everything. You cannot get out of that contract. Or you're, now, you could say the same about the Devontae Adams tr- contract, but that's a little bit different. He's a wide receiver. He's not a quarterback. So you look at that situation, and I think Raider Nation's missing that. I hope this show will help them understand a little bit that it, even if you love Derek Carr, it was a smart move, and it's a move that may save this franchise moving forward for the next three to five years. It's always good to have flexibility because you just never know right. what's going to happen. right? So just look at Russell Wilson in Denver. Right. Look at Kyler <laughs> Murray in Arizona. They don't have a choice. Those guys have to stay pretty much in place because no one's going to trade for their contracts. Right. <laughs> so right. whoever steps in and becomes the, the head coach of those teams, they have no choice. Their first pitch has to be, how can I fix Russell Wilson? How can I get Kyler Murray to be a better quarterback? How can I get him to study? You know, th- those type of things. There's no we're going to trade Kyler Murray. We're going to trade Russell Wilson because of the way the contract is structured. So what Raider fans should be able to appreciate is that the front office had the foresight, as you said, to give themselves an out just in case because it was a new marriage. Yeah. It wasn't like Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels had been working together for <clears> 10 <throat> years. This is their first year together, and they knew like if it didn't work out, we always have that trap door we can walk out of 
and walk out of the contract. Yeah, and I think it was a really smart move by the GM and coach to to, right. to get Mark Davis to agree that. Now we we hear reports that Mark Davis wasn't sold on Derek Carr along. I don't know about that. I think I think Mark Davis is actually taking a bullet for his guys, which is admirable. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, you look at the Packers situation. I'm, I mean, I'm looking at it right now and over the cap. Um, you cut Aaron Rodgers pre-June 1st, which of course they're not going to do. It'd be a, a $100 million cap hit. After June 1st, it's still $32 million, right? So, so and, and trade, it's $100 million. It, it doesn't change with the trade. It's still a $30 million cap hit. That's why he's not going to go anywhere. If he retires, that's a different story. But but he's not going anywhere. Um, but that's why the structure of these contracts. And listen, that's not a fun part of the game for fans to pay attention to. But I think in particular Raider Nation, who who who, as I've said, deserves better and needs this team to get better fast. The only way you were going to do that, and this is why you and I consistently, almost every week, at least once or twice, bring up the fact that the most valuable contract in the NFL is a young player on a rookie contract, especially if you can get a quarterback that can come in and play right away, or at least within a year, um, because, because it allows you to play with the cap. Right. And it also allows you to build up your roster. If you need to revamp your defense, like the Raiders do and patch up your offensive line. So now the Raiders, we don't know what they're going to do. Maybe they go out and get a veteran, but that player is probably not going to cost as much as Derek Carr would have cost against the cap. I believe Derek Carr would have had a 34.5 million, 34 point, 35 million dollar cap hit. In 2023, if I'm not mistaken, 34.9 million. So that mm-hmm. that that cap hit, whoever they bring in, even if it's Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo, I doubt that cap hit is going to reach the amount of 35 million. And of course, they get a rookie; he's going to be on a rookie contract, and the Raiders will be able to spend in other areas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if it is a veteran quarterback, um, again, I think you, you see the bonus, you see it spread out, and mm-hmm. and maybe you see a cap hit. I think at the most, it would be half that. And that would be on the high side. So that that's my guess right now. But but it's interesting. But I think it's important to understand that because as the Raiders go out, because a lot of folks, okay, they got to go remake the defense. You got to do draft picks. Yeah, you got to do draft picks. But you also this gives the Raiders a lot of room to go and be very appealing to high end free agents, right? And we'll go over those free agents that might be targets for the Raiders here in a couple of weeks. But you look at those opportunities too, most especially on that offensive line. There's a couple offensive linemen that are coming up for free agency. They could stay end up staying with their team or not. But but that's where you want to be able to go get a guy you're going to be able to plug in, especially with a new quarterback, whether it's a rookie quarterback, it's a Garoppolo, it's a Brady. You've got to protect that quarterback, especially if it's a Brady. And um, to do that, you got to have the cash. This allows them to do that there, too, on the offensive line. You always want to be prepared going to free agency because you never know what can happen. Even if a guy's not set to become a free agent, mm-hmm. there are cuts around the league. The Raiders may swing a trade. David trade. Ziegler has been app to swing a deal and we saw that with rocky asin coming in we we saw that so with Devontae adams even though people don't want to give him credit for that he's willing <laughs> to make a deal so i wouldn't rule out a trade or something that we didn't foresee happening in the offseason but you always want to have the cap room the money to spend just to give yourself that flexibility to prove the roster yeah no question uh and that's going to be what's interesting and this is where this is where i know raider fans they just want to make sure the team gets better but if you follow this it, it's kind of fun in the offseason, actually, to watch where they spend their money. So when you start to see guys available for trade or they're free agents or you start to see things happen in the NFL and you say, oh, the Raiders should go get that guy, look at the number and say, hey, what's he going to bring, right? Most of the time when they report this stuff, they'll tell you what they made last year, what they're worth on the open market, and that's where the balance comes in. That's where the front office has to say, okay, if I got to spend only $15 million on a quarterback – then I can go spend X number of dollars on these different guys and be able to fill those spots, right? So so that's actually part of the fun. I'm not a math guy. I talk about it all the time. Numbers kind of get to me sometimes. But uh, when it comes to the football stuff, it's fun to follow because then, you know, if they go out and sign a guy and they give him a big ticket, like, whoa, okay, so you're going to go out, you think it's that important, you're going to sign that one guy, then you better nail the draft on defense if you just spent a ton of money on the offensive line. So we'll see how it all works out. But it's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun to watch what Dave Ziegler, not only with the full dra- complement of draft picks, and maybe they get more depending on what happens with some trades, um, and then have the money too. I think he's going to be a lot more active 
early in free agency than he was last year. If you remember, mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of Raider fans were kind of antsy because the Raiders weren't making big moves until mm-hmm. the Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones splashes came about, I believe, on a Wednesday, Thursday. But uh, I think this year he's gonna he has to be a little more active because the Raiders have a lot of holes. So he cannot sit on his hands for the first 24, 40 hours of that tampering period and let guys come off the market because the Raiders need some help, especially on the defensive side of the ball, especially on the offensive line. So I expect to see a more active Raider front office this this time around. For sure. All right, Mo, grab your avocado smoothie. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, when we come back for the third and final segment of this edition of Silver and Black today, we're going to go over the Raiders' cap hits, the guys who are going to be paid the most and count against the cap most. And then we're going to look at, we're going to do a little bit of trimming the fat. Where can they save money and regain some cap space as well? Uh, there might be some names on there that you know really well. We'll talk about those when we come back. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast covering the Las Vegas Raiders. Stay right where you are. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition here in the offseason. I uh, hope you're enjoying the NFL playoffs. I know, I know your Raiders aren't in it, but uh, some good games, some good matchups coming up next week as well. All right, Mo, we're going to jump in now and talk about the Raiders and talk about the salary cap as it relates to the players they have now. This assumption, we're going to show you the screen and talk through some numbers here coming up, Mo. And this is the assumption that we all know is going to happen, which is Derek Carr is off the books, okay? So Derek Carr is most likely waived uh, and becomes a free agent, or if they somehow can get a draft, or excuse me, a trade partner, then they trade him, and it ends up being the same thing, and they get some capital back. We'll see what happens there. But anyway, here's what we want to do is go through that and talk through this, Mo. I'm going to put this up on the screen for those of you watching on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Also, subscribe, hit the notifications bell. And if you're listening to us on the audio, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and turn on the auto-download. All right, so we look at the Raiders' uh, 2023 top Raiders cap hits. We start off with Max Crosby, $20.482 million. He's the highest cap number on the Raiders, of course, he got the extension this past offseason uh, before the 2022 season, followed by Chandler Jones. Yes, Chandler Jones, $19.3 million. Number three, Colton Miller, $17.65 million. And then, oh yeah, Devontae Adams at fourteen point seven. And number five, the number five cap hit for the Raiders. No, it's not Darren Waller although it's almost exactly the same. Hunter Renfro is the the next highest cap hit as well. Others of note, of course, Darren Waller, also around $12 million. Andre James at just under $7 million. Let's call it $7 million. And Bilal Nichols at almost $7 million. And I look at this, Mo, and we made the note up there. First, let, let's start off with those numbers. I mean, Max Crosby got the big extension. Uh, the Chandler Jones signing. Colton Miller, he's now obviously into that space in his contract where he's making some more and he's counting more against the cap. Devontae Adams at 14.74 and Hunter Renfro, which, you know, if you look at the cap space, uh, a little high there for what what he's done. He was injured last year, so we'll have to see how he bounces back. But overall, Mo, I mean, the, the one that sticks out there, of course, is Chandler Jones. He, he, he kind of turned it on a little bit in the second half before getting injured, but that's the kind of number we're talking about from the first two segments. When you have a number like that, you can say, get rid of him, get rid of him. No, you can't. I mean, you're paying them $13 million. You might as well keep them on the field and just hope for the best. Absolutely. When you see those big cap hits, the one thing I think about is restructuring because it's not paid attention to a lot. But in the offseason, I would say every team restructures one two, one to three contracts mm-hmm, every mm-hmm, offseason. So mm-hmm. I just want to go through the top contracts right now. Max Crosby, if the Raiders restructure him, they could save $12.4 million. Chandler Jones, they could save $11.3 million on a restructure. Colton Miller, they could save $8.3 million on a restructure. Darren Wall and Hunter Renfro, $7.5 and $7.3 million, respectively. So this is what I mean by when I say, well, they say, Raiders don't have enough cap space for this. Raiders don't have enough cap space for that. It is I don't want to say it's easy, but every team has the liberty to manipulate the cap with restructures. Yeah. You don't have to cut a player to, to get more of your cap back. You can restructure players. And as we talked about in the previous segments, that pushes the money back into the later years of a contract. Of course, it puts dead cap on, but it gives you flexibility in the current year. And assuming the salary cap goes up every year, you're not worried about what happens two years down right. the line because you know the cap is going to go up anyway. So if the Raiders 
for whatever reason need more cap space, they can they can restructure Crosby, Jones, and Miller and free up over thirty million just off of those three contracts. So the cap space isn't really what you think it is as far as a hard cap where this is what the number is and you can't do anything about it. There's so much flexibility there. Right, thirty million there, and then like we said, you you have the cap uh, estimates. Obviously, with the rollover, the Raiders almost sixty million already. So you can see, and this is where I was I was trying to I was I was DMing with a a, a listener of ours who's really distraught, not feeling like the Raiders are ever going to turn around, and I understand why. But I told him, I said, you, I'm telling, well, the cap space. I go, no, 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 no. Believe me, they can, they can, they can free up. A, they're going to have a lot of cap space to begin with, and then they can free up almost thirty million dollars with the guys they already have signed. Not to mention getting rid of a couple guys and maybe even trading somebody. So you, you have the possibility to go out and not only you have to nail the draft, of course, but you can go out and get as many as three or four significant free agents probably to help out on that defensive side and on the offensive line. If I had to put it over and under, I would say that the Raiders are going to have three or about maybe three big name free agents they bring in. Yep. Two for the defense and maybe one for the offense, the offensive Mm -hmm. line of guard. uh, Because, and this is the thing about, with the way these uh, cap numbers look right now, but what sticks out to me here, Andre James at $6.9 million in in, in a cap. Mm -hmm. I actually think Andre James could either be traded or cut because as I said in a previous show, Vic Tafer said that the Raiders plan to move Dylan Parham to center. So what that means is Andre James would then become a high paid backup or they just may move on. Now I believe if they cut Andre James, as a pre-June one cut, they could say five point one million. As a post-June one cut, it would be six point five million. So that's the name that I watch out for. Are they gonna do something with Andre James' contract, where they maybe restructure him and he becomes a, a a backup on a decent salary, or do they just completely move on and have Dylan Parham at the center position? The other name that sticks out to me, Bilal Nichols, he underperformed this year. Mm-hmm. I believe the Raiders signed him to a two-year, eleven million dollar contract. He had about seven point one million dollars in guarantees. If the Raiders cut him, they could say 3.1 million, which is not a lot. So my guess is that he would stay, but it, I don't think it's a guarantee depending on what, what happens in the draft yes. and what happens in free agency. Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. And we have it there. If you're watching on YouTube that yeah, James and Nichols, uh, if they were to be waived cut, uh, you're talking about 8.1, actually it's 8.2 in cap savings, right? So, so that that's possible. And, and to your point, I think, I think that if, if they're able to get who they want, in the draft on the interior of the defense, or they find another free agent they feel better about too, um, they can do that as well and spread out the the losses that they have, which only be about a million dollars for each guy, a million and a half uh, over that dead cap money. So, so yeah, I mean, this is where I think it gets exciting because the possibilities. Now, this is where, and I can't underscore enough, Mo. We talked about it the last couple of shows at the end of the season, which is this is where if Dave Ziegler's really good at his job, you're going to know pretty quickly. I think. Because he's got so much to work with. Uh, and not only the draft cap, you know, draft sometimes can take a year or two to understand how well you hit on that. Um, but with the free agent signings, if he goes out and gets guys and shores off the offensive line, gets a couple thumpers on defense in the, on, the, on the line and maybe a safety or, or a cornerback, uh, and that just changes the whole look of your defense quickly, and then you fill it in with younger guys as well, then suddenly you can say, okay, this guy's putting it together. Now they got to go perform on the field. That's a different story. But as far as the front office equipping this team to have the type of player that can fit into the defensive scheme, the type of player that fits into the offensive scheme, and oh, by the way, get a quarterback who can run it all, suddenly you can see this thing again turn around very, very quickly. And I want Raider fans to listen to me carefully in this because I know there are a <laughs> lot of them that are that are not – they're not seeing the the rainbows and unicorns <laughs> as they were seeing in previous years. And, and as you said, they're kind of distraught and they don't believe in the direction of this team. And I get that. But I will say the one thing that you could be excited about, even though Derek Carr is out the door and you may be a Derek Carr fan, the one thing you should be excited about is that the Raiders have a lot of resources to get it right. And as you said, we're going to find out very quickly how good of a GM Dave Ziegler is because the Raiders – my guesstimate, they're going to have about 60 to $7 million in cap space once the new league year turns in 2023. Yeah. And they're going to have premium draft picks, which they didn't have last year. So they're going to have the resources to get this back on track relatively quickly. Quickly, So they're going to be a lot of new faces. There's going to be turnover. So there's new hope there. And again, 
if he hits on his draft picks and his free agent uh, signings and pickups, then this thing can get turned around fairly quickly. If it doesn't, then we know the Raiders are doomed maybe for another two to three years. I don't want to put that in the air right now, but we'll, as you said, we'll know right away what happens there. And it also depends on who their choice is at the quarterback position. Right. And, and I know how disappointed fans were this season. We, we, we hear it constantly. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we were too. At the same time, the question mark on Josh McDaniels cannot be addressed till we're probably five games into the season. So we, we, we won't be able to answer that question until then. But as far as the front office and the future of the organization, the frustrations of 26 years of bad moves, lots of coaches, lots of GMs, lots of player personnel, bad signings, bad draft picks, including the last regime under Gruden, historic bad draft picks, by the way. Um, This year, if you think about it, putting aside the coaching difficulties, um, it's not surprising, right? Because you inherit a roster. It doesn't matter if you if you run uh, an electrician shop or a football team. If you come in and you got people you inherit and and they're not performing as well. Now, you could say they made the playoffs last year, okay? But we all know that that was a Herculean effort, including by Derek Carr, to get that team into the playoffs, okay? They were not what I would consider a team that I thought. And yes, they almost beat the Bengals. But they were not a team that I felt was built to go deep in the playoffs, so you look at that and you say, okay, it's not surprising that they didn't do very well. Now, could they have done better? Yes, if they don't blow 5.5 double-digit leads. But I just think that you have to, it doesn't matter what you do, what role you have in life. If you're running something, a business, a restaurant, whatever, you have to have the opportunity to put your people in place before you can be fully evaluated. It's not that you can't be evaluated on what you worked with with what you had, which obviously the results were not great. But now, to your point, Mo, they have everything they need. There can be no excuses. You have the money. You have the draft capital. You may even have more draft capital. We'll see. But you're going to have a buttload of money and a lot of draft picks. So if they get to next year and draft picks are bust right away or there's some kind of issue and they can't, they can't seem to attract people in free agency, then that's a problem. A couple of points, too. Think about this. This regime had to cut or waive two former first round picks before the season that John Abram got cut <laughs> and Alex Leatherwood got waived before he finished his second season. So I'm not giving a pass to Dave Ziegler in this regime, but look what they inherited. They inherited players who, who weren't starting caliber players. And I know we saw John Abram playing at Seattle Seahawks game. He agitated the 49ers by jerking at yes. Debo Sanders. leg. that that's what he, that's his impression. That's his lasting impression in the playoffs. So think about that for a minute. So the Raiders weren't <laughs> dealt a, a full hand, so to speak. Now they had playmakers and they should have been better than what they finished as, but they didn't, they weren't working with a complete full deck. The other point I want to make, a couple of points here, and I looked this up before I got on with you, Scott. The Raiders are last in spending on the in on the secondary. So they spend the least amount across right. the league on their cornerbacks and their safeties right now. They are second to last in spending on the linebacker position. Overall, on the defense, they are 29th in spending. So to me, and also offensive line, 27th in spending. So to me, <laughs> looking at those numbers. You get what you pay for. Th- right. You get what you pay for, and that's where the Raiders are going to spend a lot of their resources. <laughs> the defense, specifically the secondary, because Rocky Austin going to be a free agent. Anthony Aver didn't pan out free agent. Nate Hobbs kind of regressed. And uh, Meek Robinson, you know, significantly improved but is he a is he a day in and day out or week in and week out starter yeah I, I would debate that so offensive line secondary linebacker that's where the Raiders are going to spend a lot of their draft capital and their free agent money in my opinion that's what I would do we'll see if they follow through with that we, as we know the Raiders have neglected the linebacker position for so long we had a good year from Perry Riley here we had a couple of good years from Denzel Perryman there but they need a guy that they could stick in the middle of that defense and be there for five to ten years because guess what? Even though the Bengals' offense didn't look good, I watched their linebacker out there, Logan, make some plays. And yeah. I actually wanted Logan. He came out of Wyoming, and I said the Raiders should draft him in the third round. He's a playmaking linebacker. He can keep on the field for all three downs. The Raiders need that type of player in the middle of their defense because as tight ends and running backs get better catching the football, they're going to need a linebacker who's going to be that sideline to sideline guy to cover those guys. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look at it's back to the spending too. I mean, and and just the misses. I mean, you look at the Raiders. 
in the defensive backfield, going back to 18, going back to 19. Remember, they also traded Trayvon Mullen this past offseason, right? And he's yeah. now with his fourth team, his third team, his fourth team this season. He's with the Cowboys. Um, and so so you look at that and and you go back to even Garyon Conley, a miss under Reggie McKenzie, right? So they have had, this is what happens when you don't have good drafts. You continually have an issue and then you don't spend the money. You're not spending the money because you don't have players that you draft that then get to their second contract and are good enough to sign, number one. And number two, you're signing free agents at a bargain instead of trying to actually spend the money because you had to do it elsewhere. So again, that goes back to this whole idea of managing the cap well. The last thing I want to talk to you about, buddy, on on this show with the with the salary cap is one of the things we talked to him. We flashed his number up there, which was a Darren Waller's $12 million cap number this year. Um, 8.9 of that is dead cap. Okay, so uh, no chance that they just cut Darren Waller and, and, and save $3 million. But, but next year, uh, if you look at it, next year, um, his, his dead cap hit is $50,000. I don't know they have that so low, but but to me, if they don't trade Darren Waller this year, um, and he doesn't perform like people think he can perform, it'll definitely be his last year as a Raider because they have a big out. They basically have an out next year, somewhat like they had with Derek Carr this mm-hmm. year. Right, and there are a lot of people speculating that Darren Waller could be traded in the, in the upcoming offseason. I think he did enough when he came back from his injury to show that he's still a valuable piece in that offense. So I, mm-hmm. I was of the belief that they could trade that they still could. Who knows what a team is willing to offer for him. If you get but a now crazy on, offer, yeah. Right. Now I'm I'm on the side that they keep him, especially if you get a veteran quarterback, because that shows that they still want to win right away. So you wouldn't trade one of your core offensive pieces there. But it's it's gonna be interesting to find out because as you said, there's there's kind of like an out in his contract too. He is not a not a spring chicken. Darren Waller's thirty years old, so you you got to believe that they understood that going into contract negotiations with him. So I would say I think the Raiders front office deserves a little more credit for how they've structured some deals. Now a lot of people yeah. don't pay attention to that and don't really care for that too much, but the way they structure these deals, they've given themselves a lot of flexibility so that they can turn things around. Now will they turn things around? That comes down to their scouting department. And how they evaluate players, that's a whole other story. But at least they've given themselves, again, that flexibility. I'll tell you what, though. If if, if the Raiders get some more draft capital high in the draft um, and they sign Tom Brady, I, I'd love to see Michael Mayer out of Notre Dame playing with Tom Brady on Sundays. Young tight end on a rookie contract course, who's, who's a freak of nature. I, I just – and I, I know I mentioned this, but as I said, just watching Logan Wilson playing that, in the middle of that Bengals defense just makes me – Oh, yeah. Want to see the Raiders have that linebacker, that centerpiece, because they just haven't had it for so long. I, and I keep saying this. I believe Kirk Morrison was their last consistent linebacker that was there for multiple years playing and playing out as a starter. And I just feel like in today's NFL, a lot of the good defenses, a lot of the top-tier defenses have a centerpiece. Yeah. Look at the Bills. They have Tra- Tremaine Edmonds. As I said, Logan Wilson with the Bengals. The Baltimore Ravens defense got significantly better once they acquired Roquan Smith. Now, I know that didn't help them on offense, but at least their defense was able to keep that game close, yeah. even with even with the back of quarterback out there. So I think the Raiders need to pour into their defense and spend on a, on a position like the linebacker. Even though it's not considered a premium position, I think it's important because it is the quarterback of your defense. Absolutely. No. And, and, and you just need it. Like you said, it's not the same as it used to be. The linebacking position in, in the modern NFL of today is not the Lawrence Taylor days, right? It's not the same kind of position. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's necessary. You have to have that leader back there. And it could be a young guy. It can be a draft pick. It does not have to be a veteran. You can get a young guy in there who is a leader and a strong player. And of course, we're going to go through some of these prospects as we start to cover the draft in coming weeks. Uh, but uh, that's not for today. We just wanted to get you through this and, and and give you a lot of hope, Mo. I think that's what this show was about, was to say, hey, there's a lot of money, a lot of draft picks, and uh, even if you don't like the coach and the GM right now, they're going to have a chance to prove, you, prove to you that they can move this team in the right direction very quickly to compete in the AFC West, especially with the uncertainty with the Chargers. Of course, Denver still doesn't, they don't have a coach yet. Uh, and and I think Russell Wilson will bounce back. I don't think he's going to be the Russell Wilson of five years ago, but I think he'll be better. So so the division's going to get better. The Raiders have to get better, and they can get better. 
And I hate you, Raider fans. It's one thing to have the draft capital and the money to to fix your roster. It's another thing to make the right decisions because look at we saw Gruden and Mayock, right? They had a bunch of first rounders, and yeah. we kept hearing this. The, those drafts, the 2019 draft and the 2020 draft, were going to be the foundation for the Raiders' future. And what happened? They squandered a lot of those picks with bad decisions. Some of them outside of outside of their outside of their scouting, because who would have thought Henry Ruggs would have would have did what he did? So I don't really put Henry Ruggs on Gruden and Mayock and say, well, that who could have saw that happening? But right. Damon Arnett, <laughs> Alex Leatherwood, Cleveland Ferrell at number four. You hope they don't make those decisions again this this regime because if that happens again, this franchise would be set back. But Ziegler has and and Josh McDaniels being part of an organization, a dynasty, and it's time. You would hope that they soaked up enough to, to to identify good players, both veterans and rookies, to take this franchise to another level. Yeah, and it, like I said, the next five years is going to be, I think, largely determined on what they do this offseason. I really believe it's that important. Doesn't mean they have to solve it all in one offseason, but they can solve a lot of it thanks to the money, thanks to the ability to have so much draft capital. So we'll see how it all happens. Mo, on Thursday, we're going to talk, we'll talk latest Raiders news that rolls out between now and then. But we'll also, I want to get back into the quarterback discussion, meaning let's identify, we already talked about Tom Brady, Mac Jones, we'll revisit them, but we'll also talk about perhaps other options for the Raiders at veteran quarterback. We're not looking back. We're looking forward. Derek Carr is gone, and now it's about who will fit in that spot. So we're going to look at veteran quarterbacks, not the rookies, not possible draft picks, but guys that could be on the market, will be on the market, that could fit into that Raider system, uh, including some names you guys have all sent me. We'll talk through some of them, the ones that are fits and the ones that are not fits and why. And then we'll also take a look at some of those needs at defense and a couple of defensive players on the Raiders we want to talk about uh, that might be back, that might surprise you that they're back uh, because they're a bargain, but also because they've gotten better. So we'll talk about that on Thursday. Mo, enjoy your Tuesday. What do you got coming out on Bleacher Report and Sports Not that the, the folks out there need to be ready for? Going to be helping folks make some money on Bleacher Report with my yeah. for the divisional round of the playoffs. I promise, Scott, I won't give you another bad pick as I did with the Jets. Yeah, the Jets are playing. You can't give me one. <laughs> so I can't give you a bad pick there. As far as as far as sports style, I, I don't wanna I don't wanna tip my hand, but I also have some quarterback columns coming out. It's gonna be around Derek Carr and, and some of the Raiders options. So I, I'm not taking a step back, but I'm gonna examine because a lot of people have asked me and I haven't given a straight answer. A lot of people have asked me what would the Raiders get for Derek Carr if they're able to pull mm. off a trade? Now, a lot of people feel like Derek Carr is going to force his way out via cut and you're in that camp too, because then he doesn't have, his team doesn't have to give up draft capital and maybe he can get a, still get a decent deal on a new deal. So I'll explore something similar to what people have been asking me of what can the Raiders get? Cause yeah. best case scenario is that the Raiders are able to pull off a trade because you want that draft capital for yeah. Carr. So I'll examine what the Raiders can get where Derek Carr can end up, and who can replace him in the near future. Yeah, and, and Mo, that's the thing, too. Although I believe it'll end up, I'm, I'm, kinda, I'm kind of betting with the, uh, with the odds, if you will. I think that the odds are greater that he walks or that, that, they, that they cut him they versus cut him. trade. But I will say this, and you said this, I think, last week, which is you never know how desperate a team is, right? So you can never rule that out. You just can't. Because... Listen, the NFL will always be a quarterback-hungry league because that is the most posi important position on the field. So, you yes, you have Washington, and, oh, yeah, we're going with what's-his-face. Yeah, No, it doesn't matter. If you can improve, you're going to improve. Okay? Go ahead. And also, really quick, a lot of people have asked, why would Derek Carr want to trade when he can go to a team without, again, without that team getting up draft capital? Why would a team trade for him knowing that the Raiders will cut him if there's no trade? agreed upon and i will say this if you're a team with a head coach or a general manager who's going into the 2023 season on the hot seat and you need a quarterback you want to get ahead of the competition you don't yes. want to wait for Derek carter to get on the free agent market where you're in a bidding war for him right. you could just trade for him skip the line and you don't have to compete with those five or six other teams that also need a quarterback you can get your guy via trade right now yeah and you're taking the risk by taking on the, the three years of the contract right but if it works out, that's even that's better for you because he's going to be below market value. If exactly. he goes, if he goes to Washington or goes to the Jets, or I know Miami says Tua's coming back. If he goes to one of those places, 
and lights it up, then you got the bargain of a lifetime. Like you get gets you deep in the playoffs. All that stuff could happen. So you're absolutely right. So the trade could happen. It all just depends. So many dominoes have to fall. The question though is they have to fall right about now. So it's sort of like the old Western movies with the gunfighter. Who's gonna be the first to draw? <laughs> Right. Who's who's nervous? Who's going to be the first one to draw? And then we'll see who wins out on that one. But it's going to be interesting. But we're going to talk about that quarterback position. And Mo's obviously going to have a great column, which we can reference on the show as well. It's amazing how that works, Mo. Yeah, work in tandem. How about that? <laughs> All right, my friend. I will talk to you on Thursday. All right. Sounds good. All right. There you go. Bobo. Make sure you follow him on Twitter, by the way. M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. The show is SNB today. And again, do us a big favor. Please subscribe to the podcast audio version wherever you get your podcast. You can find us. And if you're watching us on YouTube, do me a favor, hit subscribe, but you also have to hit that notification bell. We'll also take the thumbs up too. that. Uh, we appreciate that and appreciate the comments. As always, for Mo Moten, I am Scott Colbranson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Take care, Raider Nation. We'll talk to you Thursday.